Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5 and 19 that we teach and admonish one another in our psalms and our hymns and our spiritual songs, singing and making melody unto the Lord. I pray that's what we do as we gather together to worship and to praise Him and to lift our voices and praise to God. I pray that we listen to the words that we sing. What we sang in the last song, Walking in Sunlight, Is that not the answer for what are the problems facing the world right now? They're not walking in sunlight. They're lost in the darkness. The verse under there is from John 8 and verse 12. He said, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Talk about a pandemic and the sadness and the darkness that have crossed the face of our country and around the world. And we forget the world doesn't acknowledge, but we forget at times as we get drugged down by what we see around us, we ought to be walking in sunlight. We're walking the sunlight of the Son of God. And as we sang the song before partaking of communion, I gave my life for thee. That one has to be one of the saddest songs that there is. To stop and to reflect, we think our epidemic is sad, lives being lost. But you go back and look at the words of that song and think about it for a moment. God turned his back on his son who hung on a cross. To die for your sins. He gave his life for us. The darkness on the face of the land for the three hours. How much worse could it be? But then that also has to deal with the invitation song. The answer for the world is here as well. Is your heart right with God? We won't find the peace that we need. We won't find the joy that can be ours. And anything that this earth has to offer, the only hope that we have that brings peace and joy and lasting hope is being right in the eyes of God. And God in his love, God in his wisdom, and God in his desire to reach out to us has left us his word to guide us, songs to challenge us, and to encourage us along the way. Peter, as he's writing to those of his day, facing a lot of the problems, if you will, of the doubt that's in the world, the skepticism that was in the world of his day, the, the taunting of those who believed in God, who had heard the thought, the thought and the teaching about the coming of Christ again. And in a short period of time, because it didn't happen in a time frame that they expected, began to mock and to ridicule those who held close to the word of God. And Peter writes to them in the second letter and in the third chapter. Starting in verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, 
in both of which I stir your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their lust, own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully, willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. The mocking What are we going through and when is it going to end and how are we going to deal with it? Everything continues as it's always been, has been going on from the beginning. In which they do acknowledge but and then soon forget. How do they know anything about a beginning? Except what God Reveals in his word. How do they know about a promise of a second coming? If it's not by the word of God. There is some acknowledgement, if you will, or has to be, of his second coming. What? Must have been a first coming. There was a first coming. Why was there a first coming? The world had seemed to forget then, and the world has seemed to forget today, that as we talk about what we see going on in our world, the greatest pandemic goes back to Genesis 3. Man separating himself from God by his sin. Refer to us, refreshed in our minds in Romans 3 and verse 10. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Chapter 6 of Romans and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Is that not the greatest pandemic? All have sinned, all will die. What we're going through will not match that. We fuss about it and look for a cure. The greatest one that is out there and the greatest cure that is available is being ignored. The reminder to us is not this life. There's not a one of us that are living to save the Lord come again that are not going to escape that consequence of a physical death within our life. We fuss and are concerned about it. We pass through this epidemic that's coming on right now. What's going to happen in the fall? Is it going to return? 
But we forget of what God has for us along the way. It's been interesting, I guess, longer it goes, the more dramatic they get a lot in what they have to say. You mentioned, you know, they talk about, we haven't seen anything like this since the Great Depression. And I've always found it interesting that those that are making the statement were not even around when the Great Depression took place. But they seem to know about it. <clears throat> but let me ask Eva, did you live through the Great Depression? Did you live? You didn't live? Born in the middle, but did you live through it? I mean, did you live during that period of time? Sure. People lived. It passed. And people lived. They act like, you know, we're not going to live. We're not going to live as a result of what's going on. People lived. Time went on. They had forgotten a lot of things. And there is an excellent book that has a lot of reminders of what the world is choosing to forget of what has happened to mankind down through human history. And to remind us, people lived. They even lived through Genesis 3, did they not? Suffered the consequence, but they lived. What do you do with a great flood in Genesis 6? People lived through that. May not have been many. But I'm saying life continues on. God has his plan. What we see happening to us, a lot of it is to remind us of the brevity, the uncertainty. How many found ourselves in an uncertain period of time? Job insecurity, not knowing whether a company is going to go under, never come back again. Whatever else is out there. We talk about the need for food and we're doing the same thing that's always been done. Supplies are being made available so people could have food so that they can live. They may not like it. But again, we need to be careful that we not allow the things that we see get a hold of us. One of the songs we sung was by Fanny Crosby and Again, that one's always a encouragement to me as we sing any of the songs of the poems that she wrote. Reminding myself of the fact that she was blinded at six weeks of age by a doctor that put the wrong medicine in her eyes. So she was blind for the rest of her life. But she never allowed that to discourage her. She wrote over some 10,000, 12,000 poems in her lifetime. Many of those have been set to words or to music. And many of those are ones that we sing. Do you look at some of the words or the songs that she had written? They touch the soul. Positive outlook. What do I have to fear? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And I have hope because He what? He lives. Where does he live? He lives within my heart. He lives. He's a living God. We have a living Savior. We have a living hope. 
of eternity one day with him in heaven that shall never fade away. And there's nothing on the face of this earth that can even begin to touch the promise that God has promised to us within his word. We're looking, we can look over back in Genesis 41 and verse 56. There was a drought through all the land. And they needed food, and so they went down to Egypt. Who was down in Egypt at this time? Joseph. Were they protected? Were they provided for? God always has his people where they need to be. It may not be in the circumstances that his people would want to be in. Joseph would be one of those as well as many others of God's people. But do we not believe that God of all the earth and all the heaven and the universe that he had created with a spoken word does not know what's going on in his creation? That he does not have his hand in it. A lot of the things that we see as being negative, a lot of things that we see as being not realistic or not what we would want it to be. God has a purpose. A lot of it is to turn the heart to God. And there's a song that we're saying, where else could I go? Where else could I go but to the Lord? And then we as his people, again, we ought to be that bright and shining light that is in the world. It's always amazing. It does not matter if God has provided the physical substance that people need. It does not matter if God has supernaturally provided the physical necessities of life. That within itself is not sufficient to cause one to follow God. Start with the book of Exodus and see if that's not true. I stand in awe I stand in shock of reading Israel coming out of the land of Egypt. Not trusting the one who delivered them. And that's not Moses. The one who delivered them is God. How he provided for them. And then it's a problem we face. You go over to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11, where Israel is used as an example for us. And you remember as they came up out of Egypt, the, the number of fighting men, over 650,000 fighting men. A lot of speculation as to how many in totality there was. It really doesn't matter if it was one million, two million, or whatever the number may have been. 
We know the fighting men. We have the wives. We have the children. So the number must have been sufficient. But it's that fighting men. Those who were willing to fight for the Lord. Over 650,000 fighting men. And Paul reminds us in that First Corinthian passage. With most of them, God was not well pleased. I appreciate the generosity of our Heavenly Father. With most of them, I did it one time. I don't remember what the figure was. It doesn't matter. What percentage is two out of 650,000? That's just the fighting men. What is the percentage of two out of 650,000? All I know is a very, very, very small number. And God says with most of them, God was not well pleased. But he did not destroy them all. If he had, in Genesis 3, if he had, in Genesis 4, if he had, in Genesis 6, if he had, in the book of Exodus, you just take any place from human history, if he had destroyed those that were sinners, you and I would not be here. But because of his love and his compassion for those whom he has created in his own image, he has provided that way of salvation. These were written for our instruction that we, again, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. That we mind that you're going to have the scoffers. Why is God allowing this virus to have run rapid throughout our country without and throughout the world? Why have we not looked on the other side? Thank God that he has made provisions for us. Again, I am not getting out of this world alive. Even if the Lord comes during my lifetime, I'm not getting out of the world alive. My body is going to be transformed. That means it's going to be a change. The physical body is not going to heaven. So I'm not getting out of the world alive. But that's not what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about leaving this world. I'm concerned about eternity. And the world understands there are conditions. They understand whether they want to admit it or not. They may joke about it. They tease about it, mock it, whatever else there is. They understand the word heaven. And they understand the word hell. They understand the word God. And they understand the word Satan. Those are used. They're mocked in our world and society in which we live. They've always been mocked. But they're mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. 
made light of, the reality is still there. There are those that, where is the promise of his coming? We have not seen it. But God has. They had not seen it. It's interesting again to hear the comments being made today about what's going on in our society. Everything is pointed from their point of view. The stock market has not been this way since 1980. What, did we live through 1980? Seems to me we're still here. There have been a lot of ups and downs and they were referred to one thing after another and I'm saying, did we not live through that? The oil crisis, the gas crisis. Remember that in the 70s? Remember having to stand in line or sit in your car in line trying to get gas? We were in Baltimore at the time, and there, I assume it was throughout the way across the country, you could only get gas on certain days depending on the number on your license plate. Odd days, you got it on odd days, and even days, you got it on even days. But I had a piece of paper that said I could get it any day I wanted it because of the work that I do. Didn't use that all the time because I got some looks I didn't care to get. You're on the wrong day and you got that number, they look at you. But I'm simply saying we have lived through those times, the good and the bad. We have lived through those times. We take the points that we want to remember. I do give them to Eva. They received an article from a preacher in the nearby area, an elder. And he was talking about uh, what we're going through, the the hoarding of toilet paper. And his comment was, he said, uh, his mom and dad came through the Great Depression. And uh, later on, he went to see his mom after his dad passed away and went out to a shed in in the backyard opened the door and he said it was from wall-to-wall toilet paper. Also known as a Sears and Roebuck catalog. And he asked his mom, he said, why does dad have all of those? He said he lived through the depression and he never wanted to be without toilet paper again. Did it serve its purpose? That long, long. It never never did serve its purpose that he was saving it for. Simply saying, we react to what we see with the physical eye. God wants us to react to what we can see with the spiritual eye. I've got a God who loves me. I've got a God who cares for me. I've got a God who watches over me. I've got a God who makes provisions for me that I cannot even begin to comprehend. It blows the mind to even begin to think about the depths of his love, the concern that he has, the plans that he's made, and how he can execute that carefully throughout the life. That prayerfully as you keep the heart right with God, it leads to that eternal, that eternal home. So the question will always be, as the song says, is thy heart the mind The soul. Is thy heart right with God? Not you, not that you're satisfied with what you're doing. Is the heart right with God? That changes a lot of things in the life. Mine is to make the heart right with God. 
How well do we do? How long does it take you to stumble? But how long does it take you to come back? Knowing that the Father is always there to receive. Where would we be without that hope and that, that promise? But it starts with that initial one. I must decide to make the life right with God. And the only way that I can make the life right with God is through his word. Doing what he says to do. Doing what he says to do in the way that he says to do it. And then to live each day for the glory of God. He has blessed us bountifully and abundantly through the family that he's given to us. You indeed are precious, precious souls. You mean the world to me, and you mean the world to God. Keep the heart right. If it's not, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.